morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Whether you're worshiping in the room or worshiping with us online, we want to say a welcome to you this morning. We want you to stand with us and sing a brand new song. The Old Testament says, I was glad when they said unto me, what? Let us go into the house of the Lord, because in the house of the Lord there is joy, there is peace, there is salvation, there is freedom, there is fellowship, there is life everlasting. And so we want you to learn this song with us today. We 
stand here right now. I'm full of the joy of the Lord. How about you, brothers and sisters? Amen. The joy of the Lord is in the house today. Thank you, praise group. And we should feel that way all the time. No matter what we're going through, what we're experiencing, I think about the people down there right now in New Orleans area, what they're experiencing. It's, it's hard sometimes to have a smile on your face, but we can have one in our heart because the joy of the Lord is always with us as long as we're in his presence. Amen. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand are blessings forevermore and he will show us the pathways of life. If you need joy, if you need direction, if you need blessings from God, stay in his presence like we're doing right now, like the people at home are doing right now. There's no better place to be. And you know, brothers and sisters, God is always in us. That wonderful joy, that wonderful power, it's in us. Did you know that? Amen. Thank you. Well, let's give the Lord a hand clap again. That's something to to celebrate. Hallelujah. Thank you for being in us. Dear God, for making us your holy temple. In 1 John chapter 4, it tells us more about that. John writing says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have truly comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has a spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has a spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won. He's speaking to us, brothers and sisters, also. You have already won a victory over those people. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. That's such good news. Greater is he that is in us, is how King James says it, than he that is in the world. Amen. I don't know about you, but that just makes me feel so good. So blessed. Let us go to the Lord in prayer, brothers and sisters. He said, come boldly before the throne of grace, where we may obtain mercy. How many people here need mercy today besides me? And find grace. Oh, look at all those hands. Praise God. And find grace to help in our times of need. I'm I'm in need, Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you today, dear God. And we're so grateful, dear God, that we are yours but even more importantly Lord that you're ours you the God of the universe has chosen to make us yours your children your family we are so honored we're so blessed so we come today to lift up the name of Jesus to exalt you dear God to pay homage unto him who is worthy of praise worthy of honor worthy of glory worthy of power thank you Lord Jesus Thank you for dying on the cross for us, for shedding your precious blood so that we may have peace with you and God. For the word says without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission or forgiveness of sins. No one could do that but you, Jesus. Thank you. From the depths of our heart, we thank you. 
Lord, we ask that you forgive us of all sins, those of commission, no mission. And help us, Lord, to stay on that, on that right path, that straight path, dear God. We need your help to do that, Lord. We ask, dear God, that you bless everybody that is here today. All those who are watching over the Internet, dear God. Bless them, Lord. You know our needs more than we know. We need your help. We need a Savior every day of our life. And, Lord, you said on the day of trouble, call upon me, you, that is, and I will hearken unto you, and I will save you, and then you will go and glorify me. Father, we glorify you right now in every thought, word, and in every deed. Lord, we ask that you bless us today and bless our tomorrows. Keep us safe from all hurt, all harm, and all danger, seen and unseen alike. Please continue to give your angels charge over us. We need your angels. Your word says they encamp around those who fear for you. We thank you for those angels and for their protection. Lord, we just ask in the name of Jesus that you bless the people down there right now in the New Orleans area. You know the situation, dear God. Nothing escapes your attention. Please, Lord, protect them. Protect life. We pray for the people in Afghanistan. All of them, dear God. Lord, we ask that you put an end to these wars around the world. That you bring harmony among the, amongst the people, amongst, amongst the races. Lord, please bring it to an end. We want peace. Lord, we love you. We give you honor. We give you glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and, and amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Hey, CTC family. I'm Rebecca, and here's this week's news. Over the past several weeks, we've been telling you about our upcoming Community Day on Sunday, September 19th. That day will include a car show, carnival games, inflatables, and food trucks. Our community outreach focus is to share the ministries of CTC, including scouting ministry, with our neighbors. The scouts will be demonstrating various skills, and you can find out how your child can get involved in scouting. The other ministries of our church will also be represented. Our goal is to begin to make a greater impact in our community. To make this happen, we need a large number of volunteers. We need help with setup, greeting, car show registration, directing traffic, parking, running the eight carnival games, manning the three inflatables and the dunk tank, first aid, security, and cleanup. We weren't kidding about needing an army of volunteers to make this day happen. In all, we need around 90 people to staff this event. To sign up for a time slot, go to our website and click on Community Day Volunteers. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bear Campus office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church or if you're worshiping online, you can hit the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. Good morning, everyone. Everyone in the sanctuary and everyone online. It's nice to see you all. I can't see my online people, but I'm going to pretend. So good morning and welcome. It feels like I'm running out of words. It's been a long week. So if it's been a long week for you, thank you for at least coming here. And this is actually a great start to the week because I consider Sunday the first day of the week. 
So if you are new here and you're in the sanctuary, welcome again. Before you leave, once you leave the sanctuary and, go, and turn your head to the left or your whole person to the left, you will see the welcome center where you will receive a free gift and be greeted by someone from our pastoral staff. And if you are online, welcome. And if you're new, click the new here button at the top or most likely the what will easier access is the bubble that popped up in the chat. And now for the connect cards. So if you're in the sanctuary with us, oh, Pastor Roger has an example today. <laughs> and, oh, wait, no, Pastor Vaughn's waving it. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was an example because <laughs> it might be hot in here. <laughs> so if you're at a table, you'll see the connect card. And same if you're sitting at the seat, we will love for you to sign it so we know you are here. And also if you have any prayers, you can write prayer requests because we're always praying for you. And for those of you online, there's a connect card button at the very top, but also a bubble that just popped up in the chat. Now I'm going to pass it off to Pastor Roger. We're so coordinated yeah. around here with all these things. <laughs> and uh, Good morning, everybody. So wonderful to see all of you here and online. Thank you for coming. We're here to worship the Lord this morning. I want to take a moment and say thank you for the ministry that you have with so many people and to tell you about one of the things that you've been doing through the ministries of Christ the Cornerstone at our Ellesmere campus. Uh, for the last four weeks, there have been several of us meeting on Wednesday evenings at 530. We gather we pray together, we have some, some uh, dinner together, and then we go out into the neighborhoods and, and we start knocking on doors and walking through the parks. We're, we're praying that God will give us opportunities to share the good news, the, the love of God uh, through our faith in Jesus Christ to new people and to expand our ministry there. We started out several weeks ago with just four of us uh, going around. Uh, last week we had nine people joining us. And uh, we, this, this kind of sounds strange, but we... But we, uh, so we, we, somebody suggested, well, let's, instead of dividing up and going down different streets, let's stay as a group together. And uh, we realized in that moment that what a great testimony it was. There were, there were people of color. There were people who, of no color like me. And, uh, <laughs> and what a testimony that was to see, to see mixed races coming together, laughing, enjoying, having a good time, walking through neighborhoods. And it was a testimony of God. So I thank you for supporting us with your prayers. And listen to God. If God is saying to you, hey, I'd like to do that, meet with us 530 uh, at the Ellesmere campus on Wednesday nights. And uh, we'll make a difference right in the neighborhoods for Jesus Christ. I invite you to do that. We want to practice generosity in every way. We give generously with our time and with all of our resources, with the things that we have. And we give generously with our money. And here's a, a, a principle that we seek to follow as we follow Jesus. Jesus teaches us to do these things. So here's principle number six. Would you read this with me, please? We give according to our ability and beyond. And here's an example from the Bible uh, of the, the Christians who did that. Let's read this together. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. Jesus asks us to give our whole self. Uh, generosity and stewardship are not just about money. It's about our whole life and everything that God gives to us. So I encourage you to pray, Lord, how do you want me to use these resources? How do you want me to use this skill for your kingdom, for your glory? Let's pray together as we continue to worship God. The team will come and lead us, continue to lead us in worship. I invite you here to stand with me as we pray together and sing. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for your goodness, for your generosity, for your willingness to give your Son, Jesus Christ, for us. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you call us to serve you, to give ourselves to you and to others. You tell us if we want to keep our lives, we must lose them for your sake. And you will return, restore to us new life, eternal life. You have purpose for us. So help us to find that and to live in that every day of our lives. Be with us now, God, as we sing praises to you. We pray to you. Come and inhabit us, inhabit the praises of your people as we sing and pray for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God is mighty. God is strong. God is powerful. God is all-knowing. He's with us in this place right now. Let's worship him together. The wind is watching every gesture of your hand. Waves of fear collapse at your command. I know tomorrow when the pressure rushes in, you'll be
beyond our imagination. And yet the God who is here with us right now, the God who is with us in our everyday walk, making a way where there seems to be no way. There's no one like him. We say it all the time. We sing it all the time. But it bears repeating because in our lives, we forget. One of the easiest things to do is to come into this room in this atmosphere and say, God, you can do anything. You can do all things. And then you walk out that door and you're surrounded by the world and the things in the world. And it's easy to forget that he makes a way. Streams in the desert, seas parted, ways in the wilderness. If you are walking in a desert, wilderness kind of place this morning, God wants you to know that He is going to bring you through. He is going to bring you out because He is the one who makes a way. And He is here right now. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you today.
pray today that in this moment of worship, that as we are lifting our voices in praise, whether we're in this building or whether we're at home or whether we're watching later online or listening to it at some point later, God, we pray that you're moving. We pray that you're mending broken hearts, wounded hearts. We pray that you are setting feet today on solid ground. That is who you are. Because even when we don't see it, you're working. Sing that. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. today, as I did last night in our worship time, again, whether in this room or online or whenever you're watching this or listening to it, a strong sense that there are people who are singing that lyric from experience. You are Waymaker. And here's why. I can list the ways for you that you have been in my life, Waymaker. And yet there are other people Again, anywhere, anytime, you're singing it from a position of, God, that's who I need you to be. I'm earnestly, desperately calling out to you to be the way maker, the miracle worker. So wherever you are in that walk today, he's the same God. He's the same God who parted the Red Sea. He's the same God that spoke and the universe came into existence. He's the same God that reached his hands down into the dirt and made the first man. He's the same. So whether we are rejoicing today because of the way that he has made or calling out to him today because of the way we need him to make, he's the same God. No difference. I'm going to invite Ginger Carroll to join me on the platform. Ginger is going to be working with our children's ministry today and so we want to just pray for her and let you see her so uh, families if you have children that are going to be going to kids church after this prayer is done uh, you can follow ginger and, and uh, you guys will go 
Let's join in prayer together today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all of those who are hurting today. We thank you, Lord, that you are the way maker, that you're mending broken hearts, you're healing hearts, you're turning lives around. Lord, every day of our lives, we need you. Lord, we also rejoice today with those who are rejoicing that that's what you have been to them. So today, as we, uh, Lord, as we hear your word, we pray for Pastor Roger as he brings the message today. We pray for Miss Ginger today as she leads our kids' ministry. We pray for our children as they learn from you. And we pray that you would open our hearts to receive from you what you want us to know. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Part one of this series, we learned about the character of Jesus. Now that we know who he is, we can talk about what it's like to live for him. Even though the Christian life has its victories and rewards, we cannot expect it to be without struggles, sufferings, confrontations, sacrifices, trials. But in all these things, Jesus is there, equipping us and bringing us hope. If we give him the chance, even though he asks us to give up everything, he will prove that every step of the journey is worth it. Mark my words. I have enjoyed this series through the book of Mark. We're getting close to the end of it, but I I love that. Mark my words. Uh, Great title. Glad I thought of it. Yeah. I'm humble. I really am. Uh, we're, as we go through, continue through the book of Mark, we're at chapter 14 today. I want us to think about uh, an experience that you've had where uh, something happens and, and it's something small, something little that happens now. But as soon as you experience it, you're remembering something from a long time ago. It evokes a memory, or not just a memory, it it evokes an experience that you have. Um, Let me give you an example. I remember uh, my grandmother, my mother's mother, uh, married uh, into uh, a farmer uh, who owned apple orchards. And so grandma's house always smelled like apples. And to this day, when I smell apples, I remember grandma. Not only do I remember grandma, I experience again some of those things that I experienced with grandma. Eh, most of them good. Some of them I'm not so good because, you know, grandmas are grandmas. <laughs> and that, that grandma happened to be the more disciplinary grandma. And, uh, because they worked on a farm, it was all about work. And we went to grandma's house and there were times she had to put us to work. That wasn't always fun. But I remember Grandma, we're going to see one of those experiences. I want you to connect with that in your own life. One of those uh, things that you, when you experience it now, it brings up a whole history of things. And I know for some of us, we've had, we've had traumatic experiences where these kinds of things, uh, it's difficult for us to manage. But then there are also very positive and powerful things. My other grandmother, I remember when I went off to college, um, 
she sat me down, or I went to visit her that last time before you go see Grandma, and I was going from New York to a college down in Kentucky, so I knew that I wouldn't see her for a long time. And uh, she was very proud of me, and she loved me, and, and, and I knew that, and she would pray for me often. And uh, she said to me, now, you're going to college to learn, and you're going to have lots of fun, and you should have lots of fun. You should have a good experience in college. And then she said, but remember who you are. And she wanted me to, to, to remember that, to, to keep grounded in, in the teachings that my family has given to, to me and not to disappoint, not to do anything that rejects uh, the family or disappoints the family or embarrasses the family. Remember who you are. And I remember those words, her coming to me, even many years. She's, she's, she, she died back in 1986, I think. And uh, that's a long, long time ago. Some of us weren't even born then uh, until that. But we remember these things. Connect with one of those kinds of experiences. Where you, when you experience something now, it brings back something very powerful and instructive to your life. Let's go to Mark chapter 14. And we're going to see one of those experiences as we look at this passage uh, about Jesus. And as we've been walking through the book of Mark, we've been, we've been looking at taking one word that describes that chapter. And in the first part of Mark, we've been asking the question, who is Jesus? And then in, in chapter 9 of Mark, uh, Jesus has his transfiguring moment when he's up on top of the mountain with Jesus and, and uh, uh, Peter and James and John. And he meets Elijah and Moses, and they hear this booming voice that says, speaking of Jesus, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And then for the rest of the book of Mark, we've been asking this question. So if you want us to listen to Jesus, God, what is life with Jesus like? And so we've been coming up in each chapter some of these words. We've seen the word controversy. We've seen the word hope. We've seen the word confrontation and several other words. And today's word is trials. Life with Jesus is going to involve trials. Now, we can say that intellectually, but when we get into experiencing the trials of this life, we, we've, we've got to, that's, that's a whole different story, isn't it? We've got to walk through all kinds of trials. We're going to watch Jesus walk through his trial. But I want to ask you this question this morning. I'm not so sure that this trial is really about Jesus. As we read this today, this trial becomes about us. And the question that Jesus is asking us is, who do you say that I am? And so that's the question. That's the trial that we all have to face. I was talking with a young man this morning and talking about his church experience and and uh, he was telling me that when he was younger, he, he, his family went to church, but now his family doesn't go to church so much. And, and talking about this, and, and I said to him, you know, there comes a point when it doesn't matter what your parents did, you've got to make the choice yourself about Jesus. So I'm asking all of us, who do you say Jesus is? Now let's turn to Mark chapter 14, look, reading verse 55. A little bit of background, we're jumping in to, the, to, to the, the middle of Jesus' own trial. He's already been arrested. And, uh, so, and he's meeting with the religious leaders. Chapter, verse 55 begins, Inside, 
Inside where? Well, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find evidence against Jesus. Inside. They were actually inside the home of the high priest. And they were having a a church trial. Because of all the accusations and all the things that Jesus had been saying, they're trying to find evidence. Now, in our country, we are presumed innocent until proven guilty. And I know, oh yeah, some of you might be saying, oh yeah, right, that's not the way it works. Well, that's the way it's, the system is set up. At least let's acknowledge that. We know that every system doesn't always work the way it was designed to work. But that was not the system at all in this. This is a courtroom. This is a trial, a legal church trial that they're going through. They're trying to, to th- there are rules about being a Jew. And if you don't follow the rules, there are consequences to that. Just like in our nation, there are consequences to breaking the law. And there are accusations that Jesus has broken the law. And nobody in this trial is trying to show that Jesus is innocent. There is no prosecution attorney. There is no defense attorney. There are, there are these men who are the judge and the jury seeking to prove only one thing, that Jesus is guilty. There's nobody coming to Jesus' defense. This is his trial. And so it says they're inside the courtyard. They're inside the home of the high priest. And they've all, all the, the, the council has assembled. And they're in an inner room in those days. The, the rooms were, the houses were pretty boxy. And then there was a center, there was a central courtyard where you would walk in first and you would be greeted by your host and there would be room there. And then there would be outer rooms around that courtyard. And the council was in one of those other rooms. And there was a crowd of people that had stayed in the courtyard. They probably could hear what's happening in one of the inner rooms. One of those people who stayed in the courtyard was Jesus' follower, Peter. And he's sitting there and he's listening to this. Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. It's already set out there what they intend to do, what they're going to prove. And we've all watched court courtroom dramas on television and we see the opening statements but there's only one opening statement in this and that is that opening statement of the prosecution of the judge and the jury come together we're here for one reason to show that jesus is guilty and the outcome of that is going to put jesus to death and then the next word is the word but in verse 55 Now, this is a good opportunity to to remind you of a a really good study um, tactic, a real good Bible study skill that you can learn. And that is every time you see the word but or another word that involves a, a comparison or a contradiction, pay attention to that because God is wanting us to learn something from that. So what's being contrasted here? Well, on the one side is, are the, the people who are trying to fi- prove Jesus' guilt. And then on the other side of this word, but, is their result. But they couldn't find any. 
Many false witnesses spoke against Jesus, but they contradicted each other. Finally, some men stood up and gave this false testimony. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I will build another made without human hands. Again, we see the word but. But even they... Even then, they didn't get their stories straight. You know, one of the strongest defenses you can have is to keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Just let those who are accusing you of something just try to prove, especially God. You're trying to prove God doesn't exist. You're trying to prove God doesn't say it. You're trying to prove this, that, that, that. Just keep your mouth shut. Let God do His own work. God's doing His own work here. Verse 16, then the high priest stood up before the others and asked Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? Jesus had kept his mouth shut. I'm sure there were no Miranda rights back then. Nobody was telling Jesus, reminding him that you have the right to keep your mouth shut. Isn't it amazing how as our legal system was developed so much of God's teachings in the Bible are ingrained in our system. And I know, I know that we get it wrong many times. We're human. But don't miss the point. <sighs> we live in a nation where we do seek many ways to do what is right in God's eyes. We do. Yes, we get it wrong many times. But we live in a nation where we are free to do these things. And it's right for us. It's a great contrast. There's a big but in this, in our experience in this world today of what we're watching happen around the world. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in other places. And we need to be not taking for granted what we experience as followers of Jesus in this world. And we need to be about doing the work that Jesus had us to do. And we need to stop. Here's a freebie. We need to stop complaining to one another Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, because one thing the devil wants to do is split the church right down in two so that the church of God is absolutely ineffective in doing what God wants us to do. Stop bickering with one another and start working for Christ. That was a freebie. Let's get back to this message. Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? Again, the word but. But Jesus was silent and made no reply. And then the high priest asked him the question that they've all been trying to answer with proof. Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? They all were looking for the Messiah, and they were staring the Messiah in the face. And they refused to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. So again, my question to us is, who do you say Jesus is? Jesus is not the only one on trial as we hear this scripture. We all are. Who do you say Jesus is? That's the important question. Are you the Messiah? They had all kinds of evidence to show that they that Jesus is who he says he is. You can imagine Jesus being quiet there saying, don't you get it already? There are many times when Jesus even has turned to his disciples and said, I've been with you all this time and you still don't get it. 
And how many times do some of us have to come to church before we really face Jesus and, and realize that He is the Messiah? And all along we've just been playing church, wondering why God doesn't do in our lives what we hope God would do or what God thinks we do. It's because we don't genuinely trust in Him for who He is. He is the Messiah. And if we want Jesus to be the Messiah, be the leader of our life, we've got to trust Him like He is the leader of our life. And only then will we see what Jesus is capable of doing in my life and in your life. Are you the Messiah, He asks Him. And Jesus says, I am. Boom. Mic drop. Is that too old to use today? Jesus says, I am. And if you look in the Bible that we have in the rooms here today, and you might, the, whatever app you're looking at at home, or maybe you've got a, a, a print Bible that you're looking at at home, the word I, the phrase I am, it's a complete sentence. So there's a subject, there's a verb. That sentence I am in, in my Bible is all capitalized. There's something unique about this sentence that the translators of this Bible want us to pay attention to. He says, I am, and you will see the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a phrase that is commonly, even in the Old Testament, used to refer to the the Son of God. You will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. And there's silence in the room. Now, they have the proof. They have all the proof that they need. And, and, and it continues. Verse 63 says, The high priest tore his clothing to show his horror. And he said, Why do we need a, a, other witnesses? You have all heard this blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they cried. He deserves to die. They couldn't see anything except what they expected to see. They were only, they had absolutely rose-colored glasses on, as we say. And they couldn't see who Jesus was, even when he was giving them the bold face, not a lie, truth. They refused to believe it. They're condemning themselves. But this phrase, remember I started the message asking you to, to, to remember an experience when you had a moment, a, a, a simple experience now, but it brought back all kinds of memories, all kinds of teachings, all kinds of lessons, all kinds of instructions. This phrase, I am, is one of those phrases. And I want to show you what it brought back to these Jewish leaders. But even though it brought back all this kind of teaching, and, and every, time, every time I'm in a situation where I have a choice to make, a choice that I know would honor my mother or my father or honor my grandmother or honor my family, and, if I, and I could go this way that is the way of honor, or I could go this way that is the way of dishonor. But if I was to pause and remember what my grandmother said, and she says, remember who you are. Primarily, I am a child of God. And that was so important to my grandmother, I knew that's exactly what she was saying. If in this moment of choice, I remember that, which choice do you think I'm going to make? 
I am much more likely to make the choice of honor. And if I choose the, the root of dishonor, how much more heinous is my dishonor? And that's exactly what Jesus is doing for those. Let's go back to this phrase, I am. The first, I, I actually did a study looking up every place in the Bible where this phrase, I am, appears. You know, there were a lot of times <laughs> it appeared in the Bible. Now, I happen to be looking at the, the English word, I am, in the English translation of the Hebrew and the Greek Bibles, Old and the New Testaments. And I was using a particular translation called the New Revised Standard Version. It's kind of an academic version of uh, a translation of the Bible. It's, it's good for, for being able to study Scripture. And so I looked to see how many times does this phrase, I am, show up. And it shows up 1,085 times <laughs> in that translation. And then I started looking at each of these verses. That's, that, that's crazy. <laughs> I had to go fairly quick. It was on my computer, so I was, I, was, I was weeding out ones that were just this guy saying, I'm here, or this guy saying, I'm going to hurt you, or this guy saying, <laughs> whatever it was. And I, and I picked out the ones where it was God speaking. And one of the earliest places, as you might be guessing, if you know the history of Israel and, and the Bible pretty well, you know that this phrase was spoken by God to Moses at the burning bush. And so if we turn back to that, that episode in Exodus chapter 3, we would read this. Exodus chapter 3, starting with verse 5, God has called Moses and the bush is burning. And it says, Do not come any closer, the Lord warned Moses. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am... The God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at the face of God. And the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware. So looking at this phrase, I am, I challenge you. Get a good, uh, get a computer, get a good Bible study app or something like that. Look up the phrase, I am, and see what you can learn about God by studying these I am phrases. I am what? I am here, for one, I exist, really is what it means. And, and then he says, I am aware. And we can learn a lot. God is aware of your own suffering. Because God is. He says to Moses, So I have come down to rescue them from power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. And verse, let's see where, verse 10 says, Now go, Moses, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Israel. But Moses protested, said, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Israel? And God said, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who sent you when you've brought the people out of Egypt. You will worship God at this very mountain. But again, Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, what is his name? Then what do I say to them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. 
I am enough. <laughs> can, you hear, can you hear God's uh, 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 angst at Moses in this? I do. Don't question me. Just trust me. I am. I exist. I am who created. I, you don't have to add anything to it. I am. And then down in verse 14. Uh, yeah, I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you me to you. Just tell them that. And he says, now go, call the elders, tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me, I've been watching closely. I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt, and I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. But we have got to follow God in order to get there. I imagine that when Jesus said those words, I am, boom. There was this eye-opening moment for all of these who were listening to Jesus. And they were transported from that confrontation with Jesus right to the story of Moses. How am I so confident they, could, they knew that? Because these are, these are Jewish leaders who know the law. These are skilled, educated men who know the story of God. In their history. And they have told their children. They have written these things down. The story of Moses. The laws that God gave to the Israelites through Moses. They wear these fringes on their robes and their clothing to remind them of Moses. They wear these little boxes on their foreheads that, that remind them of the teachings that Moses gave to them. Of course, when Jesus said, I am, boom, they were transported right back there. This is Jesus, and He is. Let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 44. Because Isaiah came hundreds of years, maybe even thousands of years, or 1,500 years after God came to Abraham, their father, in, a verse, uh, in chapter 44 of the book of Isaiah, verses 6 through 8, we read this. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord of heaven's armies. He says, I am <laughs> the first and the last. There is no other God who is like me. Let him step forward and prove to you his power. Let him do as I have done since ancient times when I established a people and explained its future. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my purposes for you long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any other God? No. There is no other rock. Not one. Who is God? He is the rock. Not Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> he is the rock. And I imagine that when those Jewish leaders heard Jesus say the words, I am, they heard Jesus saying, I am. I was, I am, and I always will be. And then we jump through the, the, this work of Jesus, and we're going to jump all the way to the end of the Bible, to the book of Revelation, and we're going to look at Revelation chapter uh, chapter 1, the very beginning. Revelation 1, the second part of verse 5, 
says, All glory to Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding His own blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God His Father. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. Look, He comes with the clouds of heaven. That sounds familiar. I think Jesus said that to this high priest. And everyone will see Him, even those who pierced Him. Pay attention for next, next week we're going to see those who pierced Him look up at Jesus and they say, surely He is the Son of God. Even those who pierced Him. And all the nations of the world will mourn Him. Yes, amen. Verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That sounds familiar too. Now when, when Isaiah said that Jesus, that God was the first and the last, Isaiah was speaking Hebrew. And that translation was written in the Hebrew language. When John wrote his revelation, inspired by the Holy Spirit, it was written down in, when it was written down, it was written in the Greek language. What's the first letter of the Greek alphabet? Alpha. What's the last letter? What's the ending letter in the Greek alphabet? Omega. So, again, Jesus is saying to John at this, in this revelation, I am the first and the last. I was, I always will be. The Lord says, I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. The one Almighty. And we look at verses 17 and 18 in chapter 1. And it says, When I saw him, as John seeing Jesus, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But... He laid his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. There is no other God. Jesus is the one that does these things. And we jump to the end of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 21. So we, we see this theme of I am all through the Old Testament, but even the New Testament. And he says in Revelation 21, verses 5 through 8, And the one sitting on the throne, that is Jesus, said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Praise God. <laughs> I am. When Jesus is, is confronted, who do you say I am? Are you the Messiah? He's asked. He simply says, I am. Now we're back to the question. It's not a trial about Jesus. We read this today. This is a trial. We're all on trial. Who do you say Jesus is? Do you say he is? He is the I am? 
He is the way maker. We just sang that song. And look at this. In Revelation 21, he says, I am making everything new. Is he making your life new? We sang that song, even though I don't see it. Even when I don't see it. You're making it. You are working, God. And this word work in the Bible isn't just when I put money in a vending machine and I push the code for the Snickers candy bar that I want. And it drops down to the bottom and I open that door and I say, good, it worked. (laughs) God is not a vending machine into which we plunk our prayers like coins. Your prayers are not coins in the machine of God. And He doesn't work like that. God is creative. God is working to transform. When God made humanity, He gathered the dust of the earth and He worked it into the shape of a human being. And He breathed breath into it. And He made us to work in His image. That's good news. And when God is recreating, He is He is taking the stuff of my life, all the, the good and the bad, because He knows who I am, and He's reworking it to bring good out of the bad. Are you allowing God to do that in your life? He is the way maker. He creates the way in our lives when we give our lives to Christ. What are you struggling with? What trial are you going through right now? Are you allowing Jesus to be who He is in your life? Surrender yourself to Him. Trust your situation to Him. Say, Jesus, I can't make anything good come out of this. Only You can. So let me trust in You. And Lord, I pray You give me the peace that I need to get through this situation. I write letters to prisoners. We have conversation back and forth. Boy. I admire those prisoners who are, who are doing their time trusting God to make the way because they know what way they have made for themselves. But you know, we're all prisoners to something. We're all prisoners to sin. And we need God to make the way for us out of it. That way is Jesus. He himself said, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have an opportunity today to trust, to confess our own sinfulness and let Jesus be the way. I can't determine what that's going to look for you in your life. I can't promise to you what's going to change in your life. I can't predict what's going to change in your life if you trust Jesus in this way. All I can do is tell you that for me, When I trust Jesus, He makes the way for me. He gives me peace. He gives me hope. He restores my soul. Even when when my thoughts are about myself and how ridiculous I am and how stupid I am at times and the things that I know I do over and over again that I don't want to do, that I don't intend to do, but they just slip out. He is the one who forgives me and He sets me back on that right path. He restores me and He will restore you too.
as we conclude our service, we sing our song. And I invite you to trust in the way maker. Who do you say Jesus is? Let this be an I am moment for you. I invite you to stand if you're home and sing together. Let's pray. Let's sing. The platform area is open for you to come and kneel. Make a physical statement of your prayer by coming and kneeling and saying, God, this is, I'm serious about this. I am going to trust in you because I know who you are. You can come to the prayer stations. Uh, somebody will pray with you. I invite you to pray. Let's pray. Earlier, we sang it over and over again. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. So again, today, in the room, watching online, wherever you say those words from, a place of victory or a place of need, necessity, it's the same. So even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, even when you can't sense it, You can know because of his promises that he is at work. So can we sing those words together again? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. And maybe you're at a place right now where you just need to come and kneel and pray or have someone pray with you. God is here. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. Even when, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Come on, sing that again. Even when I don't see it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. Oh, sing it again, even when. And even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never, even when I don't see it. And even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, he's the way maker. And way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Oh, 
are great, but at the end of that phrase, we say these key words. We say, my God. That is not somebody else's, not yours, or you. it's mine. He's my God. That is who he is. And so, Lord, today, as we walk out these doors or as we close our internet browser today and, and stop watching the video or wherever we are at this moment, Lord, we pray that you would be so real to us so real to us that we could sense the proud, the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. The great I am making a way for us. We thank you, Lord, for that. We pray you would bless us as we go today. Encourage us and strengthen us. In the name of Jesus, we pray and everybody sit together. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for worshiping with us. We hope you have a great week. God bless you.